Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of Sprott Gold Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Director at Sprott Asset Management. Joining me today is Sprott's very own Paul Wong, who serves as Sprott's market strategist. With the summer behind us and fall quickly approaching, I thought it would be timely to have Paul join us and give us his views on both gold and gold equities through a technical lens. Well, hello, Paul, and thank you for joining us on Sprott Gold Talk Radio. Thank you, Ed. Before we dig into the current state of both gold and gold equities, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself as well as your position at Sprott. Sure. In experience about uh, well over 30 years in industry, probably about 25 years as a portfolio manager specializing in uh, natural resources, including precious metals. I've also been a prop trader. I've managed quant funds, been on asset mix committees. And before that, I used to be a geologist. And my role at Sprott is to provide uh, market insights into the precious metals complex. Fantastic. Well, I know I get a lot of great sound bites and, and advice from you on how to think about the trade. And I'm hoping today our listeners after this podcast will walk away with some good nuggets of, of wisdom really to think about not only the physical market, but also the equity market. Paul, in your recent release of the September report of Sprott Insights titled Gold Flat After Wild Ride, as investors return from a much-needed summer break, can you give us a few highlights on what actually happened over the summer? Because it was a bit of a wild ride, and few investors actually realize it because we were all off enjoying uh, some much-needed sun and, and some relaxation. So maybe before we get into the market today, talk a little bit about what's happened over the last few months. Well, if I had to summarize it quickly, it would be a lack of liquidity. You know, we reached a low point in gold. It got oversold in March. We had a rally from there through May, and then around uh, the end of June, we had uh, the FOMC. So, you know, we had a rally up to that point. It was based on the high inflation numbers that were being printed, like really high, higher than expected. Inflation expectations were, were, were absolutely through the roof, surprise-wise. And then the FOMC came. And then, you know, you know, basically had a movement in the dot plots, which the market quickly interpreted as, you know, the tapering was going to come sooner than expected. And so we had a huge sell-off in gold after that. Uh, basically, it got you know oversold, you know, and then it started to rally. And then we had the flash crash in August, and then we recovered after that. But through it all, gold essentially has been flat with a wild ride, and that's that's sort of it. But the real point is, it's the it's the lack of liquidity. It's it's confusion in the marketplace. Inflation surprised everyone. The Fed tapering situation again surprised everyone. And liquidity overall, not just in the gold area, but overall the market was you know, steadily declining. And with that, basically you're left to quants and algals trading the precious metals complex. And that's that's why we've been seeing these out of the blue $20, $30 gap ups or gap downs in the precious metal area. But in the last several months, it's been essentially flat. Well, one thing we, we certainly all know and probably can agree on is, is gold certainly loves confusion, particularly over a full market cycle. And I think this volatility for those that are looking to invest into gold, either coming back to it or returning to the trade, or maybe investing in it for the first time, understanding this volatility can potentially give them some you know, wonderful windows of opportunity to come into the trade and think about it over the next couple of years as a natural head. So I think you know this summer is a good kind of acid test, as it were, of what you can expect from time to time with, in our view, a long-term directional move uh, you know, up and to the right for the gold trade. 
You know, Paul, in your most recent letter, which I encourage a lot of the listeners to, to download and, and read, um, you talk a lot about the Fed's tapering timeline. We've seen it in the news. You see it in the newspapers. A lot of investors and, and, and other white papers are talking about it. What might that mean for gold going forward? And as we've seen in the past, you know, what could happen or what should happen is often very different than what will happen. So how is this potential taper different from the ones we've seen in the past? Well, this taper will probably be one of these, you know, you, you, know, you sell, on the, sell on the rumor and you, you buy on the news. And the re- reality is that the gold's been seeing this, you know, taper concerns starting around late January. So we've been several months into it. It's, it's had several iterations on the trade already. You know, no, no one really should be surprised. Now, where it really differs from the 2013 tapers, the 2013 tapers uh, is, is it's night and day. Uh, first of all, the 2013 taper tantrum, that was initiated by the Fed. The, the Fed was basically saying, we're, we're going to pull back on, you know, the accommodation and we're going to tighten things up a bit. This cycle, the Fed's never said anything like that. If anything, they, 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 they keep reiterating that, you know, there's, you know, there's, they haven't made sufficient progress, you know, every... Every major speech from the primary committee of the Fed has basically pointed towards a very patient and gradual approach to tapering. The fear is coming from the bond market this time, and that's the big difference. The Fed is basically, it's, they're the ones with the, with the printing press. They're the one with all the power. The bond market doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't matter as much anymore. The days of the bond vigilantes are long gone. Quantitative easing is basically, it's... You're printing $120 billion a month in QE. It doesn't matter what the bond market really says in the long, in the medium, the long term. Short term, they can they can have an influence. Short term, and that's about, but that's about it. Well, let's talk about the bonds for a second, because to your point, we've seen more and more investors look at at gold potentially is a is a complement to, or in some cases even a replacement to their bonds with yields, you know, low to negative. The opportunity cost of owning physical gold has been all but evaporated. You know, based off your technical analysis, you know, when you have low to negative yields, what has that traditionally done for the value of gold over time? Uh, it's increased the value of gold. Just look at the data going back since, the, you know, since the end of Bretton Woods, which is the last gold standard we had. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see real rates as the real primary driver of gold. Um, if you go back, I don't know, 30 years, I think the R square is 0.88. If you go back last 10 years, it's about 0.78. In the last three years, it's about uh, 0.9 or 0.98, I think, somewhere in that, in that level. It's, it's extremely high. It's always consistently high. Real rates is one of the primary drivers of gold. And it, the reason is quite simple. When you have negative real rates, and you're, you're basically you're destroying wealth on a, on a real inflation-adjusted basis. And we are, right now, we just made in the last few weeks all-time lows in terms of real rates. And we're likely to keep compressing. We're likely to keep heading lower in terms of real rates. Financial repression is one of the key tools the Fed use to basically support you know, what you're seeing on the spending side. Well, you know, wealth destruction, to me, kind of goes hand-in-hand with purchasing power or lack of purchasing power, which brings me to the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is, is another one of those benchmarks, so to speak, that the market tends to look at. You know, I guess it's three things. Bonds, to your point, real rates. The S&P, using that as a proxy for the general equity market. And then the direction or value of the U.S. dollar uh, to gold. You know, shift gears for a second and talk about what the strength or weakness 
or volatility in the U.S. dollar means for gold over time as well? Well, gold is priced in U.S. dollars. And so as the U.S. dollar becomes devalued, the value of gold goes up. Simple case in point, uh, I mentioned Bretton Woods earlier. That's, that's when the U.S. went off the gold standard. In that time, uh, basically the U.S. dollar to gold ratio has basically lost about 97 or 98 percent of its value. If you had a dollar in 1971, at the end of 71, today that dollar would, would buy you about two cents of gold. That's insane to think about actually in those terms. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's consistent across every currency yeah. you see. And the US dollar is actually not the worst. There's, there's actually far oh, worse sure. currencies like the pound. Investors tend to think, you know, short term, one to two years, oh, what, what has gold done? You know, it's, it's down, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, eight, 10%. But if you stretch back the time periods long enough and, you know, anyone's lifespan, you'll see similar types of performance in gold. And the reason being is that we, we are in a dollar debasement process. And that's what a fiat currency is. The only question is really is, is how hard are you stepping on the accelerator on, on that debasement? And right now, the Fed is slamming on it hard. All you have to do is look at the spending that's going on in the U.S. The U.S. is under, a, lack of a better word, a grand experiment. Fiscal spending, monetary policies are off the charts, literally. And to accommodate that, with you know, especially with right now, the U.S. debt to GDP is running about 130% right now. It's the highest since the Second World War. And the only way to really accommodate all that debt, there's two key tools. One is dollar debasement. The other one is financial repression. Right now, the Fed is running with a policy of zero interest rates and average inflation targeting. Those two tools essentially guarantees almost dollar debasement and financial repression, meaning that the U.S. dollar will go lower and real rates will go deeper negative in the, in the long term. And that's going to continue for several years, and that's that's why it's that's why we're so bullish on gold. It's not a short-term process; it's a long-term process. It the money's been spent, the bill's coming due. Right, right. It's as simple as that. Sounds like my college days. <laughs> well, you know, listen. Many of our listeners have owned or currently do own physical bullion in some way, shape, or form, but few are invested in the mining stocks, the equities in general. Over the last decade or so, it seems like the relationship between the physical market, whether it's gold, silver, or or the other metals out there, to the mining stocks has changed a little bit. From a technical standpoint, what are you seeing out there when you look at the physical market, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, to the equities that are actually mining those? What has changed, if anything, has changed from your point of view or from your technical analysis? What should investors be thinking about today when they're looking at the precious metals market in general, physical versus equity or a combination of the two? There's two things going on right now. It's, it's almost a, a battle of opposites. The mining companies themselves are more capital disciplined than they've ever been in any, any point in time that I've ever seen. They are returning uh, levels of return on capital, free cash flow, earnings generation at a level never seen before. You can take almost virtually any valuation against the broad market, the S&P 500. It's roughly on average, you'll, you'll see that it's about a third, a third of anything, a third of EV, a third of PE, a third of you know, cash flow yield, doesn't matter. But you're, but you're also seeing though, 
is that there's lack of interest in the gold equities. It's not selling. It's not buying. The reason behind all that, it's the continuing growth and passive investing that we're seeing in the broad market, but it's hurting virtually almost all sector-specific type funds. And the other one is factor investing. Large funds have moved away from analyzing you know, sectors and more towards factor investing. What they'll look for is they'll look for growth metrics, capital investment, and they'll assign a group of stocks to that and build a portfolio around it. So that's where a lot of the f- traditional flows that we used to see has is, is not come. But that's a double-edged sword. So what you're seeing now is that the broad market is trading at near dot-com levels while gold equities are trading at a fraction. These are literally generational type lows. And the question is, can this continue? The old adage in the marketplace is, yeah, it'll continue until it can't. Markets tend to be mean reverting. Eventually, golds won't trade at these levels forever, and it will revert, and it will revert quickly. And that's, that's the challenge you have is, is, is always the timing aspect of it. Here's another interesting tidbit. Since January, early January 2016, which is the low in the, in the gold equity trade, it's actually performed in line with the S&P 500. Like most people will be shocked to hear that. The last five years, it's actually performed in line. It's just at the bottom end of its trade range. Just plot a gold equity index against the S&P 500. I'll go back, you know, beginning of January of 2016, you'll see that. Yeah, there are periods in time when gold equities massively outperform and they contract, massively outperform and they contract. And right now we're, we're in the massive contraction phase and we're actually at the lower end of the channel. There's several reasons why on a risk reward basis, if you haven't looked at gold equities, there's a good reason to look at it now. What well, does seem like the ultimate value trade right now when you look at it from a balance sheet standpoint and a margin expansion standpoint, to your point, free cash flow and they look very attractive right now. But to your point, there's a lot of risk on trades out there in different assets. You know, Wall Street continues to create more and more ways to lose your money faster than ever before. And I do think capital is flowing to other spaces. But what I think is unique about the mining stocks today is that these are real companies with real balance sheets with real cash flow. A lot of these other products out there don't have that. You know, you're investing in, in the future well, the mining stocks are the now. They're actually making money right now and, and in some cases paying dividends. I think to your point, you know, it's a good time to be thinking about it. And, and this really shifts gears to really the last question I want to ask you, which is talking about gold equities or real assets in general. Give us just a couple things to think about from the general health of the market today. When I, and again, when I say the market, the precious metals market, you know, how should an investor, particularly a new investor into the space, how should they be thinking about this market? What should their expectations be from this market over the next three to five years? You need to be a little bit longer term than, than perhaps you're comfortable with. Like we're, we're used to seeing the S&P steadily climb, steadily up, 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 up. And then eventually what will happen is, you know, the, the old market adage, you know, markets go up on escalator, it comes down on the elevator. That happens quite often. Gold's the opposite. It goes down on an escalator and comes up in an elevator really quickly. If you take a, take a look at the gold chart, uh, you'll see that, you know, it goes through long periods where, you know, it doesn't seem to do anything. And then all of a sudden, in the span of four to six weeks, it'll gap up 30%. That's the history of gold. That's how it trades, because gold is a safe haven assets, and safe haven assets, by definition, are mean reverting type assets. So you have to th- stop thinking about gold in terms of an escalator approach and think more of an elevator. And so the timing comes down pretty important. So after market's been on a run as it has right now, it'll reach a point where it'll become 
unstable for, for a lot of different reasons. You know, the market structures have changed dramatically over the last several years and it's accelerating. You'll see more of an escalator type, escalator elevator type action more than you're comfortable with. And gold is, is the, literally is the opposite. And that's why gold in a, in a multi-asset portfolio you know, provides diversification. And diversification in our sense is really, it, it protects the downside. So when it runs up, it gives you more firepower at the end of the day to be more invested. It's staying power. In other words. Yeah, I think staying power, I think you're spot on with that. That's, that's really what we try to convey to all of our listeners and our investors is that gold is not here to replace your other assets. Gold's really designed to help you stay invested in those assets, knowing you have the staying power to be invested in a full market cycle. So you know, we find that to be the case, and we, fi- we find that that's a constant education to our investors to help them either stay invested or get invested for the first time in precious metals. Paul, well, I really, really appreciate you joining us today on Sprott Gold Talk Radio. And for all the listeners who liked what Paul had to say, we encourage you to go to our website at Sprott.com which is S-P-R-O-T-T dot com and sign up for not only Paul's recent report titled Gold Flat After Wild Ride, but you can also download past as well as future insights that come out monthly related to gold, gold equities and all things real assets. Thank you once again for listening to Sprock Gold Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ed Coyne. Listening to the Gold Talk podcast by Sprott Inc. For more information and insights on precious metals investing, please visit Sprott.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Sprott entity to the listener. Neither Sprott nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast. And any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Sprott, and Sprott is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Sprott to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Sprott entity. Past performance is no indication of future results.